0: This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This your host Tim Link and I'm so glad you're joining us today. Got a fun and exciting episode. I'm really interested to talk about the the book uh, that's coming up. We're, the book's called Starter Dog. It's by author Rona Maynard. And Rona's going to talk to us a little bit about the the book and all the details and her uh, fun and furry life with her uh, canine companion and then we'll also talk to rona a little bit about writing in general and uh, how it is to publish this type of book compared to others and things she has done uh, with uh, her stellar career in uh, the magazine world so uh, it's going to be a very interesting exciting interview so everybody hang tight we'll come back right after this break you're listening to animal rights on pet life radio
1: Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
0: Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Uh, joining me now is author and acclaimed memoir and magazine, Stellar Career Magazine. We got Rona Maynard on the show. And Rona, welcome to the show. I'm delighted to be here. Well, we're excited to have you here, and want to talk to you a little bit about the latest book called Starter Dog My Path to Joy belonging, and loving this world. So we love our animals. We love our dogs. Now we need to learn a little bit more about this book and what your little furry companion or big furry companion has to say about it.
1: Well, he is a medium-sized furry companion. He is undistinguished outwardly in every way. He's neither big nor small. He's not particularly smart, but he is an adorable guy who unlocked my capacity to respond to this world with pure emotion as opposed to thinking my way through it. And that's what animals do so well.
0: Now this is, uh, from reading the book, this is sort of your tiptoe into the water of the uh, canine or animal companion world. Is that correct? It
1: absolutely is. I did not want a dog. I had to be talked into it by my husband who had wanted a dog all his life. We were 63 when he started lobbying for this dog. And I thought, what a cockamamie idea. If we were going to get a dog, we should have done it when we had a kid around to play fetch. Not now when everybody we know is training to hike the Camino. These should be our footloose years, not our years of dusting fur off the furniture and walking a dog in all weathers, but I saw how badly my husband wanted a dog of his own, and out of love for him, I very grudgingly said yes, doubting that I could love a dog.
0: And that's amazing. So I've got big kudos to your husband, first of all, and and I've got to know his secrets because uh, after forty years of marriage, on this end, I don't know how many of those times I've ever talked my wife into anything, let alone <laughs> getting a canine companion. She's usually the one uh, pointing them out uh, first, and then I'm like, yeah, okay, we can we can add one more to the menagerie.
1: Oh well, if you if you already have a menagerie, you're already knee deep in this world, but. I associated dogs with everything inconvenient, like curtailing our travel plans. And I thought this stage of life should be all about travel. It should be all about getting up and going wherever we feel we want to be and not having to worry about boarding a dog. We did have a number of cats when our son was young, but we never really engaged with them on a profound emotional level. And there was something about our rescue dog, Casey, that touched both of us to the core. And I was astounded that it touched me.
0: And we talk about, oftentimes, like you said, Casey is, I'm sure, a very remarkable dog. Well, he's
1: unremarkable. and (laughs) And that's why it's so wonderful that I love him the way I do because I've gone through life as a person with very high standards. I couldn't have gotten to the top of the magazine business if I didn't think everything had to be perfect, everything had to be the best. I would only have the best writers, the best people on my team. And here's this dog trained in a prison in Ohio by um, by an inmate And he's got scars all over him, a torn ear, and he doesn't have any particular distinction. But from the moment he entered our home and peed all over a taffeta chair that a designer had picked out for me, I found I was willing to cut him slack that I would not cut for any human. He softened me.
0: Very nice. And so when you, when your husband wore you down to get a dog, uh, what was the process after that? Did uh, you have an idea of what type or breed you wanted? Was there a program that you just mentioned that that was part of this? or Yeah. Or did it just sort of fall into place?
1: Well, I decided that any dog we got had to be a perfect dog and therefore we were not going to rush into this. Plus, we had agreed that when we adopted a dog, both being retired, we were going to give our dog three uninterrupted months with us and no travel, so that we could just bond with our dog. And we were always going somewhere or other. So that slowed it down. And meanwhile, I slowed it down because I wasn't super keen on a dog anyway, Plus, it took me so long to buttonhole people on the street who had cute dogs and ask them what kind of dog they had and figure out what kind of breed we should have. And I realized early on, actually, we both did, that living in an eighth floor condo, we shouldn't get a puppy because training a puppy in our circumstances would just be too difficult. So we were looking to rescue a dog who could not be too big, who had to be kid-friendly because we had a young grandson who whose honorary dog this animal would be, and we couldn't have a traumatized dog because we'd never had a dog before. We couldn't have a sick dog, same reason. And a lot of the dogs that you see on rescue sites are A little bit problematical. They're they're dogs for people who know dogs, who have experience in making a complicated dog feel comfortable. And we didn't have any of that. We needed an easy dog. So finally, we found the only rescue mutt that was available. And two years had gone by of foot dragging. And he looked very ordinary to me. I was not very interested in him. And when we went out to meet him in the foster home, I thought, boy, is this ever an average looking dog. The only thing I really liked about him was the story about being trained in a prison. I thought that was a, just a fascinating story. Many prisons now have programs where they pair unwanted dogs that need homes with unwanted humans who are going to train them. And in the process, acquire some job skills that they can use when they get out. So I like the story, but the dog was meh. Uh, However, if we didn't take this dog, who knew when there was going to be another one? So we brought him home, me with all my misgivings, and that is where It all began, and I called the book Starter Dog, not only because he was our first dog, but because of all the things he started, and they were very good things.
0: Yeah, now all these things from reading the book, these were things that perhaps you hadn't been involved in before or didn't slow down because you're focused on your career to be able to do these things. So explain us a little bit about what he introduced to you. That's whole new world.
1: Well, I was always in a hurry before I got him. And we live in downtown Toronto, a very busy place. And I was always the fastest person on the sidewalk Even when I didn't have a job to go to anymore, I would just park crowds with my stride and I would look right through the I didn't meet anyone. My whole demeanor said, stay away, don't mess with me. And once I started walking with a dog, he made friends all over the place. Plus, he had to keep peeing and marking and sniffing and doing the things that dogs do. And when he stopped, I would look around me at wherever we happened to be. And I noticed the seasons passing. I noticed flowers fading and unfurling. I noticed wildlife. I noticed a ferret. At least I think it was a ferret in a construction life. (laughs) Cities are full of wildlife if you take the time to look. I noticed a lot of raccoons. You don't think they're going to be out there in broad daylight, but believe me, some of them are, right. not the healthiest <laughs> ones. Casey and I were chased by a raccoon one day, <laughs> and uh, I watched a bee gathering honey uh, from a flower. I watched a robin building for a nest. I had never observed any of this before, and I fell in love with the natural world at the late age of 65 part of my point in this book is that it's never too late to broaden your outlook to do what you've never done to see what you've never seen to become a larger hearted human being
0: that's a brilliant message and that's what our that's what our animals do for us and in particular is what casey did for you as well and uh yeah i, I always find that fascinating you know when um I'm out and about, and I see people walking their dogs. Oftentimes, they're still, you know, attached to their mobile devices, and they're not paying attention to all the wonderful things that are around them and what their dogs are smelling and sniffing and showing them if they would just slow down. And it sounds like Casey sort of opened you up to all that.
1: He did. And I I should confess, I do go out there with my phone. And yeah, I do check my phone. I'm awful that way. But I also take pictures of the wonderful things that we see or that I see. Uh, Let's face it. Casey isn't interested in the things that captivate me. He's all (laughs) about his nose. But then I go home and I share my favorite photos on Facebook where I've been very active. And I write a little caption, which in some cases is almost an entire story about why I loved watching what I just saw. And uh, people chime in about what they just saw. Nice. They saw it's their own bee photo, their own bird photo. I'm not a great uh, photographer, but I know some wonderful nature photographers who are not professionals. And it's a joy to see what they come up with. I I feel we're having this entire visual conversation, and people love to not social media because of the advertising, because of the nasty politics, because of Mark Zuckerberg, but some very powerful things happen there. The sense of people in community sharing things that touch them, and that is how the book was born. It was born on Facebook.
0: I love it. I love that. And our dogs, in particular, are the great common denominator. You know, if someone has a dog, you're part of the, the clan now, the team, and you have this common thing to, uh, to share. And uh, it sounds like you do that through, uh, through social media and expand it even further to all parts of the world.
1: Exactly. By the way, I have seen people walking cats. Have you seen that lately?
0: Well, I have. Actually, you know, I have a good friend of ours. Uh, they live near the beach down in uh, the southwest part of Florida, and she has harnesses for her three cats, and she takes daily walks with her three cats on the beach. So
1: <laughs> I have becoming more common.
0: Yeah, I've seen cats. I've seen you mentioned our ferret friends. I've seen people walk their ferrets out and about, and uh, yeah, and it's all good. It's all good, you know, getting out there with their animals and spending time with them. And then, as you said, and as you found out, now you get to see nature and things that you've walked by a thousand times and never paid attention to, and voila, there it is. So it's a it's a wonderful thing,
1: and you meet your neighbors, and that is something that didn't happen before. Dogs are much friendlier than cats. And they are, a dog on a leash is much more likely than a cat on a leash to strike up his idea of a conversation with a stranger. And I've met some delightful people that way. That's uh... People I would never have noticed in my former life. So I am reminded of how much we have in common. We may come from different places. I live in a neighborhood with a very high immigrant population, some of us may be in a wheelchair, some of us are learning the language, some of us have different politics, but when it comes to animals, we are the same.
0: Absolutely, more lessons we can learn from them for sure. All right, well, we're going to take a a quick commercial break. We'll come back and talk to uh, author Rona Maynard a little bit more about her book, Starter Dog, and then get into a little bit about writing in general and and, uh, writing other books like memoirs and writing for a magazine and editing for a magazine. So, everybody, hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continuing our conversation with uh, author Rona Maynard and her book, Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging, and Loving This World. Now, Rona, when everybody goes out and picks up a copy of the book, Starter Dog, and they read through it totally enjoy it, totally enjoy the stories within it and how it all started. What are you hoping they they gain from that?
1: I'm hoping that they are going to look at the untapped possibilities in their own life with fresh eyes. You know, there comes a time in every life, actually a few times, when the emotional toolbox that you've used just doesn't work so well anymore. And You have to change it up. In my case, changing it up meant a dog. But for some people, it might be traveling across the country in a van. For some people, it might be hiking the Camino. For some, it might be making a quilt in honor of a person that they loved. It could be Absolutely anything at all. I mean, you you get to decide what it is. Uh, this is not so much a dog book as it is a dog and life book.
0: Love it. Love it. Good message and good stories and, and uh, a lot to learn from it as well. So it's totally enjoyable book. Everybody pick up a copy of uh, uh, Starter Dog by Rona Maynard for sure. I've got to ask you a little bit about writing in general. Now, you've written this book, which is sort of a life with my dog, life with learning about life type of of book. You've also written memoirs, and you led a uh, top-rated, highly acclaimed magazine. How do you compare all those? Are there some commonalities? Because you're looking at sort of like three different types of writing, genre, how this all works. Is there some commonalities there? that you glean from uh, all your experiences, say, at the magazine compared to writing uh, Starter Dog?
1: Yes. Everything is a story. And your goal, if you are, a, if you are telling a story in a magazine, in a book, in uh, a letter to the people who support your business, you want to engage them. You want to make them care. And how do you do that? Well, you try to put yourself your little old isolated self inside the mind of the reader. And you have to keep asking yourself, how am I going to make the reader care? And the way I do that is by imagining that I am telling the story to a particular person. When I was at Chatelaine, I had an ideal reader. Uh, She was actually, this is the magazine I edited. She was a woman who loved the magazine and had written us a great letter about why it was a highly specific letter. And when I wrote my monthly editorial, I always felt I was writing a letter to Kathy. I pictured Kathy when I was choosing the lineup for the issue because it had to resonate with Kathy and all the Kathy's in the country that subscribed to our magazine we had a huge audience and similarly when i was writing starter dog i was thinking about the people who had been following my facebook posts and cheering me on and i noticed what they would like and i often found that things that i didn't think were all that important they really loved Social media is a great way to try out a story on people and uh, see if it sings for them. You know, people think that first person writing, i.e., memoir, which this is, is all about the writer. They think it is an exercise in narcissism. Not Mm. everybody thinks that, but quite a few people do. (laughs) And the truth of the matter is, That if I am writing about my dog walk in a way that is freshly observed and honest, if I challenge myself and preconceptions that I have about myself, if I don't try to look better than I am, well, I am opening a doorway through which you can step and think about your own self and your own life. So... I say that the best first person writing is not just about the writer. It is also about the reader. It's creating a space where we can connect. And I'm delighted to see that lots and lots of people are connecting with Starter Dog. They're writing to me about it. These people's lives are nothing like mine. They are different ages. They live in different places. Some of them have had dogs for years and years, unlike me. But they see themselves in the book. And that gives me great joy.
0: I love it. I love that perspective on it and how you, you go about doing the writing in general for the magazine and for the memoir. Because uh, you're right. Oftentimes we think, okay, we think we know our audience or here's my story I have to tell when you should be looking to say, okay, but how does this relate to someone else? How does this relate to the masses? And I always love it when a, a good book or a good article comes out and people are like, oh my God, that's me, or oh my god, that's my dog, or I thought I was the only one in the world that that thought like that, or had a dog that acted like that, and uh, so you know your type of writing lends right towards that.
1: There is no such thing as the only one in the world. Whatever <laughs> you have gone through in your life, no matter how odd or embarrassing or sad or unsettling or crazy, lots and lots of people have faced. Pretty much the same thing, and I've learned that in a lifetime of writing.
0: Nice. I love it. Well, everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. It's Starter Dog by Rona Maynard, uh, Starter Dog, My Path to Joy, Belonging, and Loving this World. Rona, thanks so much for coming on the show today. We appreciate it. Congratulations on a wonderful book, and uh, we'll look forward to chatting with you uh, somewhere down the road.
1: Thanks so much. My pleasure.
0: All right, well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible. If you have any questions, comments, ideas for the show, you can drop us a line at PetLifeRadio.com. And while you're there, check out all the other wonderful shows and hosts. It's a cornucopia of animal fun. (laughs) So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. And who knows, you may be the next guest animal rights on pet life radio have a great day let's talk pets every week on demand only on petliferadio.com